I, the reason I say I'm not working on a book, I do have a book that I have an idea for, and I'm like two chapters into it, but I wrote those two chapters six months ago. And I think about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. I plan it. I'm not writing every day. And if I was truly, so this is a lesson, right? I'm not writing every day. Therefore, I'm not writing a book. If you're not mm -hmm. analyzing deals every day and making offers and talking with real estate agents and going to meetups every single day or every single week, and you have a, a the process for that, if you're not doing that, you're not a real estate investor. Wow. You're a wannabe. You're a wisher. Everything is possible. Just hustle. Just hustle. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, a state in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, aka Billionaire. Everything is possible. Just hustle. Just hustle. Everything is possible. Just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby. It is your boy, Billy the Kid, aka BDK, aka Billionaire in this mug. And guys, you are in the right show if you're ready to learn how to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. When I say think like a millionaire, guys, it is not a financial thing. It is a mental thing. What is the person that you need to become in order for you to get to that milestone, to get to your million dollar hustle? What are the things that you have to do in order for you to get there? And that is what you're going to learn in this show. We bring you real-time millionaires, real multi-millionaires, people that are billionaires, right? Like on their way to become billionaires. What did they do in order for them to just hit that million dollar hustle? And guys, the thing is <clears throat> not even just a million. Like what does it take for you to make 250, 500K? That's what we're trying to find out in this show. So you're in the right spot if you're ready to learn how to think like that. It's a whole, you have to become a whole other person. It is for the 3% action takers, guys. So if you're not, if you're in the 97%, please do not hit play on this podcast, plain and simple. Wow, wow, wow. The podcast, the interview I just did, guys, shout out to Brandon Turner. Those of you who don't know, you've been living under a rock. He was the host of the Bigger Pockets show, and now he's just doing massive things. Uh, he's doing syndications. Um, he gave some great announcements here uh, about some future projects that uh, well, I'll wait for you guys to listen, but we talked about how, you know, mo most people, guys, want things now, right? Like they're not willing to put in the 10 years that it takes for you to build something. And and we talked about that. And it was crazy how he he mentioned how, you know, the first 10 years where he bought his first few rentals and he was out there painting, doing the stuff himself, right? And then it went from that to the 10 years he did at Bigger Pockets. And then the point is he has been hustling. He has been doing his thing. So now all of a sudden quote unquote, right? Like it, it looks easier. And, and I kept saying that throughout the show to make a point that it is not easy, guys. It's simple, but it's not easy. You have to put in the work and and throughout his story, you're going to hear that. So I can't wait to dive in. Uh, make sure you guys grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable at BillyTheKid.com. I'm actually going to autograph it and mail it to you if you get it at BillyTheKid.com. If you don't want it autographed, shame on you. But you could grab it at Amazon. You could grab it at barnesandnoble.com. Anywhere else books are available. Actually, the audio version, guys, uh, go to Audible and download the audio version. Uh, I've gotten so many great feedback off of the audio version. I am an artist. I do music. So I had to do something a little different with the audio book. So go check it out if you haven't. And other than that, follow my music on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, anywhere music is available. But if you don't do any of those things, at least subscribe to this channel, guys. Subscribe to my YouTube. This is where I'm going to be bringing you everything, music, podcasting. I'm going to do, I do vlogs. Like, go check out everything I got on there. And um, make sure you leave us a five-star review if you feel like we are a five-star review show. If you don't, please don't. Otherwise, leave us a review, leave us a comment, and let us know what, how can we get better, guys. Uh, we're hus I'm hustling to inspire. That, that's my whole way of thinking nowadays. So I need to know how can I serve you? How can I be better to help you out? Um, shout out to everybody in my mastermind, the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind. They have been killing it. And if you haven't yet, there's testimonials on my YouTube channel. Wow. Just shout out to everybody in there. If you're ready to level up and take your life to the next level, if you're looking for accountability, 
hit me up info at billythekid.com with your story so we can see if you're a good fit for the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind. And uh, also, I'm doing one-on-one coaching. Uh, I only do a couple at a time just so I can pour into people the right way. And I don't know how long I'm going to be doing that for, but take advantage. Uh, As of right now, I am doing it, but this could change later. So uh, hit me up for that info at billythekid.com. But with that being said, guys, uh, again, I'm, I'm just ready to dive in. And, and if you've been wondering what's up with Bigger Pockets and Brandon, we talked about that. I, I, literally, this, this was an amazing show. Uh, he over-delivered more than expected, honestly. Uh, and, and that's just Brandon Turner, such a great guy, uh, positive dude, man. And, and you could tell that uh, he, he's literally become that person, right? Like it didn't happen overnight. Like he's put in the work and you could just feel it. Even though it's digital, you could just feel it through, uh, through this, right? Like you could feel it every time on social media. I'm sure if those of you who follow him, uh, you could feel it every, every time just because he's just a genuine dude being authentic, uh, being himself. And, and honestly, those of you who are listening, if you're not being yourself, if you're not being authentic, unfortunately, it's not going to work until you are. So, uh, But enough of that, guys. I am ready for you guys to listen to this interview. So here is Brendan Turner. Vamonos. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby, where you, my friend, are going to learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. It is your boy, Billy the Kid. I am super excited today because, as you know, this show is teaching you the mentality, like what? Do you need to think? How do you need to act? What do you need to do in order for you to get to that million dollar hustle, right? And above that, we have a lot of listeners that are multis. And I mean, today alone, we have somebody who's very close to just being the next billionaire, we'll call it. <laughs> Brendan Turner, how you doing, man? Dude, thank you. Uh, this is awesome. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan, man. You, uh, you crush it online. You crush it in the world of uh, everything you put your mind to. Actually, it's kind of crazy. We can do a whole podcast on you, but uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Thank you for uh, taking your time, Brendan. Uh, I'm pumped. I got a lot of different questions I want to ask you, and I'm going to just right, jump right in, if you don't mind. Um, if it. you could just... The, the quickest bio that you could give us uh, of where you're from and and your whole Washington uh, experience now to Hawaii. Sure, man. Uh, it was a dark and stormy night back in 1985 when my mother gave birth. No, uh, let's see. I'll fast forward <laughs> a few years. I was uh, I got a, I went to college. I got a history major uh, in the middle of that process. Uh, I bought a house. I was going to go to law school because you can't do anything with a history major except for go to law school. So I got a, I was going to go to law school and then I bought a house and I made like 20 grand by selling it like over a six month period just because like I bought it and sold it. And it was it was a rough fix up thing. And I was like, holy crap, this is way better than anything else. So that was kind of like entry of phase one of my uh, of my kind of journey. I call phase one was like I discovered real estate investing. I started buying properties. My wife and I would fix them up, do all this stuff. And that was all in Western Washington. So I grew up in Minnesota, college, met my girl, moved to Washington, got married. And then we just for a decade, roughly, maybe a little less, we just like bought little crappy duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, single family houses, did some flipping, did all the work ourselves, managed the tenants, found tenants, fixed toilets, all that stuff. So phase one was like, I was in it, like as a landlord, as a flipper just figuring out the business, reading books, trying to network, all that good stuff. And then uh, at some point, I kind of graduated to like financial freedom, uh, which led me to phase two. Uh, I still kind of continued on phase one, even up until today, but I kind of added on phase two, which was joining uh, Bigger Pockets. And I started the Bigger Pockets podcast alongside Josh Dorkin. And that blew up and did really well for a decade. Uh, so from like uh, up until last year, I mean, a year ago now is when I stepped out of that role because the third phase had started, which is the commercial real estate side of my life, which was we started buying mobile home parks and apartments and that blew up really big. Uh, so now we own 75, 76, I don't know, something like that, 100 units. And uh, which led to phase four, which I just recently started, which is kind of a more of a charity driven approach, which is we have a tribe called the Better Life Tribe and we have a thousand people paying 
uh, to better their life. And as part of that, all the profits go to charity. So phase one, two, three, and four. There you go. That's my that's Boom, my that, in a nutshell. That's probably the fastest bio you've ever done, huh? <laughs> I think so. Got it down. I'm getting better at nailing those down. <laughs> you know, and it's so crazy. Do you think there's something to that, Brendan? Uh, it, I couldn't help but think like, okay, the first 10 years was this. And then the second phase, 10 years. And then do you mm. think there's like something to that uh, that leads you to that? <laughs> success i love that you i love that you asked that question you know every successful entrepreneur i ever know who just like had was like an overnight success they actually had uh, it's almost always the same thing they had 10 years of hustle or hard work right there's always like this 10 year number that's very interesting right uh yeah i was in real estate for 10 years before i really felt like i was making money i mean i was making money but i'd spend money and then i'd buy rentals and I'd have to replace a roof and then i'd lose all the cash flow and like it took 10 years to get like oh like i literally was 10 years almost to like the year or to the month even where i crossed the million dollar mark from where i started it took a it took a decade to get a million dollars and then bigger pockets i did for a i did for a decade and then uh you know there's some overlap in there so i'm not like 100 years old here but <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, I've opened our capital now. I've been at it for four and a half years, five years. And you know that oh, took it's off been a lot that quicker. Long. Yeah, it's been. I know, isn't that crazy? Time flies. It's been. I think. I think four years ago is when I officially mm -hmm. like was like, let's buy our first deal. But yeah, I mean, like, we want to buy in ten. We have a ten-year goal to buy ten billion dollars of real estate. So I look back, like, you know, right now we have a little less than a billion. So I got ten times to go still in the next five years. But I'll do it, and then we'll look back and be like. Dang, that was a big decade. So yeah, there's some truth to like overnight success takes 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's like the old quote, right? Uh, um, you go bankrupt very slowly and then all at once. And I love that mm. phrase, right? Like mm. your marriage falls apart very slowly and then all at once. Um, mm. uh, your kid grows up very slowly and then all at once. It's like they're like things take a long time. So uh just knowing that perspective is such a millionaire mindset that that mm. idea you will have to hustle for a lot longer than you probably think you will but then yeah. someday you wake up and look and you're like oh shoot i'm a millionaire and yeah. it happens all at once yeah and it's it goes along with those 10,000 hours right uh i yeah, love that love it love it and uh so i'm going to ask you this question i uh, i know you hang around some magnificent people what is the best piece of advice that you've ever heard in your whole life mm. you know i had a guy once tell me uh, he, he was a consultant that came in for bigger pockets or kind of like a board member director whatever wicked smart guy business guy and he had said to us we were telling him all the things we had we got this many developers like web developers we have this much money in the bank we have this much this we have this much this and here's what we're going to do with it and after a little while, he finally holds up his hand and he says a few words that just changed my life forever. He said, guys, stop telling me what you have and what you're going to do with it. Tell me what's possible. And then let's just back into what you need to get there. And it was mm. such a simple concept, but so mind blowing because people often look and say, this is how much cash I have. Therefore, this is the size of rental property I could buy or wow. I have this much experience. Therefore, this is what I can build as an as a entrepreneur. But what if instead we said, what's possible here? Like what's po what's crazy, but still like possible. And it's like, well, you know, building this blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Now that we've had that set as a goal, now let's back into how we're going to get there. Who do we need to bring into the picture? How are we going to walk from where we are today to get to that point? And it's a mindset that I see a lot of really successful people actually adopt is they start mm. from vision. They don't start from, uh, uh capacity or what they currently are holding mm, wow i love that and with that being said i want to ask you what is your best piece of advice that you could give anybody out there listening and myself yeah so my my best advice would be this for anybody who wants to build a business entrepreneurship real estate investing whatever number one best advice i can i can give people is that every like everything that you want to achieve is simply a series of little tiny steps and once we learn to recognize that, like it's not big things, it never is. It's a series of little tiny, usually five minute steps. So you want to improve your marriage, you want to get in better health, you want to make a million dollars, you want to buy a big real estate portfolio, just break down what does that actually look like in terms of my next step. Uh, it's usually a five minute thing. I mean, just to give a tangible example, you want to buy, a, you want to have financial freedom down the road. You want a million dollars a year in passive income 10 years from now. Okay, well, that's a big goal. That gets overwhelming. People are like, well, someday I'd like to have a million dollars, right? Okay, 
let's let's scale it down to like what what do we got to do next? Well, we got to buy a, a rental property. You've never bought one before. Okay, fine. We got to buy let's say a duplex. Okay, what do you got to do that next? Well, I got to find an agent. No, what do you got to do? Even, like zoom in more. Well, I gotta I gotta post on my Facebook that I'm looking for an agent and ask my family and friends for recommendations. So you're telling me that your goal of a million dollars a year in passive income is being held up by a 30 second task that you can do on your phone involving Facebook and making a post, mm. right? Like all, all of the success and the dream and the ambition that we have all can be boiled down to a task that will take less than five minutes to do and you could do it right now. And once people mm. get that concept in their head that, that we get the results of what we repeatedly do, once you get that in your head and you just start doing the actions, the results will just happen automatically. Now, it won't happen right now, right? Again, it's that idea of, uh, you know, you, 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 it goes slow until it goes fast, but it does compound in itself. It compounds and gets bigger and bigger like a giant snowball. And someday you wake up and you're a completely different person with the life that you only dreamed of before. Mm, wow. And, you know, it makes me think of this analogy that I read somewhere and it, it was basically about how, uh, and it was it was about something else, another business, but I put it in like a real estate perspective. I was like, okay, so it's like cooking something that you've never cooked before. But when you go to the, so yeah. when you go to the store, you buy the ingredients, you might be lost a little bit and go over the list of what you need, right? And and so it it it's not easy at the beginning, right? So until you do that meal over and over and over again, and it's like the first deal that you got to find. It's like just. Yeah. Get uncomfortable and do it. Right. Like, uh, I don't know. It, that's, that's kind of what I just heard right now. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> With the, you know, the little things. It is little things. And you know what? The first time you do it, you're not going to make, pro like, let's take those, use real estate as an example. The first time you buy a rental property, you probably won't make money. That's not, that's a hard truth to accept. But most people that's true. The first time you buy a property, it probably won't make money because you don't know what you don't know yet. You know, and, and on the alternative is if you just always are like, well, I got to do the perfect deal. You'll never buy anything. So the in-between is just recognize that you're going to make mistakes, get advice from people, ask for help, you know, reach out to people who are better than smarter than you at that task. Hopefully you do make some money, but you know what? The first deal is not about making money. The first deal is about getting the confidence and the clarity and the wisdom and the knowledge and the excitement and the passion and the momentum that's going to take you to the second deal and the third deal and the fifth and the 10th and the hundredth. You know, wealth is not built in a property. It's built through a portfolio and it's built through a portfolio over time. So at least when it comes mm -hmm. to real estate, it takes time. So you've got to develop the skill set and the networking, the connections, the knowledge, and all that stuff that I just listed. You got to develop that. And the only way you develop that is by doing deals. So do deals. And hopefully you make a little bit of money along the way. Take action. And and I want to ask you this because we, we've talked about the decades and, and kind of where you're at now. It's like, we'll say easier, quote unquote, those of you who aren't watching, because it's not easy, but it's simple, but it's not easy. Uh it's easier to look back and say, oh, wow, right? Like where, where you're at now. What was the patience like during those, like, we'll call them 30 years, 25, 30 years? What, what, how, how did you deal with patience knowing that you would end up where you're at now? Yeah, man. I mean, I started, I mean, really, and it's been less than that if you think about it, like, because there's so much overlap, right? So, I mean, I started at 20, I'm 37 today. So it's been, what, 17 years of like, it took a long time to get there. Um, I remember thinking multiple times back in like my late twenties, like, does this rental property thing ever actually work? Like, I know in theory it does, but it goes so slow. And like I said, like in the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. So I bought a lot of deals that at the end of the day didn't make cash flow. See, one of the biggest misconceptions in real rental property investing is that like when you analyze a deal that you're going to make a bunch of cash flow. And the reality is it gets eaten up very quickly by occasional expenses. So like you might make $500 a month and then make 500, then make 400, then make 600, then make 300, then make 500. And you're like, Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And then boom, you hit with a $32,000 roof. Well, that just wiped mm. out five years of your cash flow. And so that's why I teach a lot. I, one of the number one things I teach and talk about all the time is this concept of pure cash flow. Like, when you say cash flow, people are usually looking at like mortgage, you know, rent minus mortgage minus insurance and taxes. But there's some there's some occasional expenses that pop up, and you got to account for those things on average over time. And so, you know, water heater is eight dollars a month, or a new roof is you know fifty five dollars a month, or whatever it is. You just got to know that several hundred dollars every single month is going to go out, even if you don't see it go out right now. It's going to go out every few years. 
and there's always a new thing that needs to be replaced. So uh, that said, real estate's a very forgiving asset class. So if you hold on long enough, all those properties in my beginning that I was like, that I didn't actually make that much cash flow from, I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, when I sold them. Because mm. over time, real estate just tends to go up in value and the mortgages tend to get paid down. That's how math works. And like you end up with just a lot more wealth. So yeah, so there's the, the patient side. I, I needed to keep that in mind all the time is I know this works. I just need to stick with it long enough. And it does compound, but it is hard to be patient sometimes. It's hard to remember like, oh, another you know late night with this crappy tenant. Uh, another you know late night fixing up a rental unit. Like those things do get better and your systems get better. And if you can just power through that stuff, five, 10, 15, 20 years later, you're gonna look back and have a completely uh, different future because of that. Wow. I love it. And it's funny you said like the whole tenant thing to me, it's always like, uh, at least if uh, I own a management company and, and so I do hear, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Right. Like my first decade of, of, uh, all that. And, um, it, it's funny you do like the, the best comparison that I could do to with the tenant, is like a marriage, right. Cause at the end it's yeah. like, are we going to be good when we divorce? Like, are you going <laughs> to, are you going to be mad? Are you going to, you know, but uh -huh. um, anyways, and so you mentioned wealth, uh, Brandon, and and I, I feel like uh, there's this misconception in, in the whole real estate world of, uh, to me, it's like, if you want to get rich, you could flip houses. If you want to get wealthy, keep them. Uh, what, what's your, like, can you elaborate your thoughts on those two? Because you hear that a lot. And I don't, the thing is, those of you who are listening, I don't think there's like a wrong way of doing things. Like if you find a, just yeah. do the flip, if you find, you know, what, just get it done, right? Like take action. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, one of the most life-changing stories I ever heard uh, early in my kind of career of trying to build wealth was from the book Cashflow Quadrant. And Robert Kiyosaki in that book tells a story of a town that ran out of water and they needed to hire somebody to go get them water. And so they hire these two contractors and they say, can you go get us water? And the first one says, no problem. He grabs two buckets and he walks down to the river seven miles away, fills them up, comes back, dumps them in the town pond or whatever. And now the town's got some water for the day. And then he goes back and does a second trip. And then every day he's hauling these buckets every day. And pretty soon he gets his kids involved and they're hauling buckets. And now he's got to take the town's thirsty. So now instead of two buckets, he's taking four, then six. And he got this big bar across his back because he's carrying these six buckets and he's just doing it. Meanwhile, the second contractor that they hired just disappears. No one knows what happened to her. She's just a gun. And uh, so anyway, meanwhile, every day, this guy's hauling buckets. You know what? Everyone's cheering him on. Like, yeah, it's the guy with all the water. Yeah, he's bringing water. He's getting a lot of accolades because he's bringing water. And then, you know, maybe a year later, the second contractor, the woman uh, that they hired, shows up in town and she puts the final turn, the final crank on the pipeline she had been building. And she turns a spigot and cold, clean water just flows out. And she sits down in the shade and drinks a glass of cold water. And for the rest of that town's existence, they just have cold water flowing. And the question mm. is then is, is our, is what we're doing is what you're doing, building a pipeline or are you hauling buckets? Now, when I look at like house flipping, house flipping is a great business. It's a great model. And there are ways to make it more of a pipeline. But at the end of the day, when you flip houses, you're carrying buckets the same way you are at a job. Now it's a way better job than working at, you know, Starbucks probably, but it's still, it is still carrying buckets. And so what I would encourage people to ask themselves is how can we turn what I'm doing into either a, how can we turn it into a, a pipeline that delivers cold, clean water, or how do we build a pipeline on the nights and weekends or on the side, or how can we just start thinking pipeline, not bucket. And that, mm. that concept has stuck with me now for, almost 20 years and completely changed my life and made me millions of dollars. Wow. Yeah. No. And, and it's so true because it's like, once that flip is done, you're on to the next one and the next, and it's never yeah. ending. Right. So yeah. I, wow. That I, I keep forgetting cash flow. such a great book. <laughs> um, it's so and actually great. with that being said, Brendan, uh, I know you're definitely a reader and, and, uh, all the years of me listening to you, I definitely, you made it to my list with all your books and all the books out there that you've mentioned. Uh, but I want to ask you this, what is one book that like changed your life completely, whether it's an old one or a newer one? Uh, I know it's a tough question because you, you hang around with authors too, and you're an author yourself, but what's that one book? Yo, we'll be right back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. Before we continue, 
I want you to go grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. It is out on Amazon. It is out on Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, Target.com, and everywhere else books are available. The great news, guys, is you can go to BillyTheKid.com and grab an autographed copy. That is right. I'm going to mail you an autographed copy right now. Audiobook is also available on Audible, and everywhere else audiobooks are available. So go listen to it. Go grab yourself an autographed copy, and I'll see you on the other side, baby. And now back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast. Yeah, um... I mean, there's the obvious Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a big influence on me. There's the E-Myth Revisited from Michael Gerber. But I'll, I'll throw out the book, The One Thing, from Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. That was really the book that introduced this concept of what they call goal setting to the now, which is where you might have a 10-year goal. Well, what do you got to do to be on track for it this year? And then now you got a one-year goal. What do you got to be uh, to do to be on track for the quarter? Well, now you got a quarter, quarterly goal. Okay, to be on track for your quarterly goal, what do you got to do this week? Okay, great. Now you got a weekly goal. Okay, to hit that by the end of the week, what do I got to do today? Now I got a today goal. All right, to be on track for my today goal, what do I have to do now? That concept uh, changed my life in so many ways. And so it really gave me the framework of how I operate uh, all my businesses today very much as in the idea of goal setting to the now. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so to kind of introduce this question, um, you either get paid for the decisions you made years ago, or you pay for the decisions you made years ago, right? Choice is yours. And you clearly have made some great decisions. Uh, So are you the kind of guy, Brendan, that like wakes up in the morning and knows how massively successful you are? Uh, And then a second part to that is whether yes or no, how does that affect where you are and where you could be? Oh man, good question. I mean, I, I have a lot of confidence uh, in myself because I know I've put in the work. I know I've put in the 10 plus years, the 10,000 hours. And so I have a tremendous amount of confidence and what do we call it? Like um, a mindset around money, a very abundant mindset. Uh, so it's not that I think of myself as like, oh, look at how fabulously rich I am. I mean, I I, uh, I would love to have more money. I, I feel like there's never enough. And that that's a personality um, a fault that I, I that I don't I know a lot of people struggle with. I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Like, like I could have a billion dollars in the bank, and I'd be like, oh, sure, it'd be nice to have a little bit more. Something could go wrong. And at the end of the day, I don't want to end up living back in the alley in Aberdeen, Washington, in my little duplex. Like that just that terrifies me. So I think that the drive for money and the feel of enough is hard to accomplish. That said, it's not like it t- paralyzes me or really makes me that worried. I just I I definitely. Uh, I de- it definitely is there. Um, so yeah, instead I just say like, I, I feel very in the zone when it comes to business and growth because I've put in the 10,000 hours. I probably got 10,000 hours in just reading business books. Like I get business. I'm not perfect. And there's a million things I can still learn. But uh, yeah, when you, when you start operating in your zone of um, like uh, whatever you want to call it, like the zone of excellence, because you've put in the hours, you can just feel like it's like a skateboarder just on a skateboard at the park. He just feels good. He's in the zone. He knows how to do it. It's a rapper who's been rapping for 10,000 hours and he can just lay down a something I could never do. Right. So I, I feel that way when it comes to making money right now, I'm like, I'm a skateboarder at the skate park. who has been skating for 20 years. I can, uh, I can lay down. Mm, I love that. Yeah, no, that that's uh massive and it, it, it's just crazy. Um, do you, what's, uh, so it seems like you, like it was easier. And again, it's, I keep saying that because obviously where you're at, but when you made that choice to move to Hawaii, like, can you talk about how uncomfortable that was and just uh, yeah. the mindset at that time? Because I'm sure you've grown since, obviously we grow every day, right? When you, when you read that many books. So what, what was it like then? Yeah. Two fun stories about moving to Hawaii. So the first one was that uh, I had this buddy I met at a kid's birthday party when I lived in Washington. Uh, his name's Jared. He's awesome. And Jared was like, I'd never met him before. He was a, he's a buddy now, but I'd never met him before. So I'm sitting next to him at this kid's birthday party. All the kids are, you know, running around opening gifts and me and him are just awkwardly sitting there talking like two grownups do at birthday parties. And he says, I, I actually live in Hawaii. And I'm like, you live in Hawaii? Like, you know, you were born and raised. He's like, no, I just moved there a few years ago. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you moved to, Ho- like, you can just move to Hawaii. That's a thing. He's like, yeah, I just got like a shipping container and I put my stuff in it and then I shipped it over there and then I moved to Hawaii. And I was like, 
who who just moves to Hawaii? That seems so foreign to me. But as soon as it was, like as soon as I realized that was doable, all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, I want to move to Hawaii. So sometimes it takes getting around people who have done the like the impossible, or if not the impossible, they've done the thing that you haven't even fathomed. Like when you get around other people and you hear their stories, you listen to podcasts, all of you realize that there's a lot more possible in this world than what our little mini view, like, you know, out our front door tells us. So I, so I, I learned this and I'm like, oh, great. So then, I mean, like a year later, I'm in Hawaii, uh, I'd moved to Hawaii. But so uh, that was the first, the first thing is, you know, getting around people and and then it's not so hard. In fact, just when I asked him, he was like, yeah, I call this shipping company. This is how you move your stuff. There you go. And it was just so easy. Uh, a, a quote I say all the time is like, try to surround yourself with people who make the impossible look like a Tuesday morning. Like, it's just like, mm -hmm. that's just like normal, right? Like, like I love hanging around people that are so fit and in shape and they make like resisting an Oreo cookie just look like, you know, that's an everyday thing. That's easy because like, even though I will probably never be that person, I want to be more of that person every day. So I surround myself with people who just make impossible things just look like, oh yeah, that's just, that's just what we do. Yeah, this is what we do. We just buy, you know, for example, if it, if it scares you to buy an apartment complex, get around people who just buy apartment complexes every week. And it's like, also not so scary because it's like buying an apartment is just like, like for me, like raising 20, 30, $40 million is like a Tuesday morning. It's like not a big deal. I'm not, I'm not bragging. It took a lot of work to get there. But if you want to raise a bunch of capital, go get around people like me and you'll raise a bunch of capital because it becomes real. So that's first story. Second story uh, around uh, that is I came to Maui. I mean, I went to Oahu, couldn't find a property. Couldn't find a neighborhood, didn't like the traffic. I went to another island, Maui, just on a whim on a weekend trip. No plans to move here. And I found this house within an hour of landing. Like, I, I literally didn't know anything about Maui. I just, like, my daughter fell asleep in the car, so we're driving around. We find this house, and I stood on the front porch. and call them Lanai's. Stood on the front Lanai, and I'm looking at the ocean, and I'm looking at the pool. And, like, it's a three-unit property, so I could rent out, you know, other units. And I was like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And And sometimes in life, like, when we have a clear vision and we've defined what it is we want, we are more able to see it right away opportunity because we've defined what it is we want. It's the classic line from uh, Lewis Carroll's uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, is it? Like where the Cheshire cat asks Alice, like, where, you know, where are you? Uh, or she says, which way do I go? And he's like, well, where are you? Where do you want to go? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, well, then it doesn't matter. Right. But it does matter. Like if you have a vision of where you want to go, then you can ask better questions of the cat and he'll tell you to go that way. Right. So I had this vision of what I wanted and what I was looking for. So when I saw it, it didn't require a lot of work. I just was like, that's it. That's the house I'm going to buy. But then the fear set in the fear of like, oh, it's a multimillion dollar house. It's a it's a one point seven million dollar house. I'd never bought anything over two hundred thousand before. This is crazy. I can't buy a one point seven million dollar house like the mortgage is eight thousand dollars a month. And so I wasn't going to do it. So I actually, I remember vividly calling uh, David Green, uh, you know, the, the current host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. I call him and I'm talking to him about this. And I'm like, man, because he's an agent. He deals with high prices in the Bay Area. And I'm like, dude, this is like, it's way, I can't, I can't buy this. This is way too much money. He's like, well, I mean, like, do you have the down payment needed? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I have the down payment. And he's like, I mean, and can you afford the monthly payment on it? Like, you know, is it, you know, affordable within your budget? I'm like, well, yeah, it is right now. But, you know, things could change and the market could change. He's like, okay, well you know, could you rent out the downstairs and rent out the other unit? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, that would be the plan. He's like, well, what is that rent for? And I explained it. He's like, so, so you're saying you could live for free in this house in Hawaii? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, and if it doesn't work out, you could just move back to Washington and you could rent out your main unit. Now you've got a triplex in Hawaii that's cash flowing for you. And I'm like, yeah. So he's like, let me get this straight. Worst case scenario you have a multi-million dollar house in Hawaii that overlooks the ocean that is cash flowing for you. And 30 years from now, is it worth more or less, Brandon, than it is today? And I'm like, oh, it's going to be worth a lot more. It'll probably be worth $4 million down the road in 30 years. He's like, okay, so worst case scenario, you pay this off over 30 years. You've got a $4 million house and you've cash flowed the whole way. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not such a worst case scenario. And I love Tim Ferriss talks about this, this idea of doing a worst case scenario analysis on your life when fear sets in is run up for worst case scenario. And it ends up being not, usually not that bad. It's usually reversible. It's usually fixable. The great part about that story, that was five years ago. I closed on that property. The property today is worth $4 million. I paid 1.7. Wow. Like, it didn't even take 30 years. Now, did I get lucky with the market? Yes, but that that just adds one more piece to the to the the equation of when you're buying real estate, it is a very forgiving asset class. So 
I've got several million in equity now on a property that I could have cash flowed if I wanted to. I mean, I even, I rent out one of the units. I keep one open for family and friends right now. Like it just, wow. I always have friends visiting me. It's a great thing. I love it. I hang out every night with cool people and and, and like, you know, I could have let fear stop me, but I didn't uh, mm -hmm. because sometimes you just need a friend to tell you you're being stupid and uh, help you overcome that fear. So, wow. end of story. Man, whew, got me ready to take a leap to Hawaii or something. <laughs> I might call you, know you and be like, Brandon, what do you think? <laughs> last last piece about that, though, this is important, too, is if your environment where you live is not firing you up and it's not giving you energy, you could stay there and you could change your attitude. I tried for a decade to change my attitude. It was fine. I could have lived in Washington forever. But something about moving to Hawaii fired me up and gave me so much energy and so much passion and whatever you want to call that, that I started Open Door Capital and I started the Better Life Tribe. And I started all the stuff that I don't think I would have done in Washington because in Washington, I was just worried about how to not get wet because it's raining all the time, right? Wow. So sometimes you got to physically get out of the spot you're in and get to a spot uh, where you can thrive. Wow. And, and it's so crazy. I think anybody out there listening, obviously, like even on, on my book, I wrote, take calculated risk because without risk, you yeah. can't ever get anywhere. Right. But the thing is, you could calculate everything. Like if you listen to the story you just gave, you calculated every piece of it and it worked out better than you thought. Right. Quote unquote, because yeah. you had to calculate it. Uh, so yeah. it, it's funny. Those of you who are listening right now, you know, whatever that next decision is, if you've calculated it, then do it because it at the end, guys, I don't know. There has to be a percentage out there, Brandon, of like, how many times does it work out at the end and even better than what you thought, right? Like they're, they're, I'm sure yeah. there's some kind of percentage out there. <laughs> um, so a, take that. I, I love it. I love it. There's a great, um, there's a great concept known as an asymmetric bet. So an asymmetric bet is something where the upside is much larger than the downside, but the chance mm. of it happening might be about the same. So example is imagine there was a lottery, a lottery where uh, the chance of losing your dollar on the ticket is like, you know, 90%. Like, let's say 10% of people who got this lottery ticket, uh, they won, right? Uh, only 10% you know, of people won. It costs you $1 for the ticket. Yeah, there's a 90% chance you're going to lose a, lose out on that. But if you win, you get $1,000. That's an asymmetric bet, right? So you might lose a dollar, you might make 1,000, and the 1,000 is only is like, so you could buy 10 lottery tickets, and it would cost you $10, but one of them gets you 1,000. Make those bets all day long. Like those are the bets. So real estate is an example, right? If you buy a piece of real estate that cash flows, it may not go through the moon, like go to the moon in price. It may not, but it may. But at minimum, you're not losing. It's not like you buy a property for hundred grand and you might lose a hundred grand or you might make a hundred grand. No, you might lose nothing or you might make a hundred grand. It's such mm -hmm. an asymmetric bet. And like successful people are making asymmetric bets every day. When you hire an employee, an employee might cost you $50,000 a year, but they might make you half a million. The chance of that, 50-50 eh, in my experience. About half the employees make me like a really, really great and they do exactly what they're gonna do and they make me a ton of money. The other half, eh, not so good. So you let them go. And wow, that like, it's an asymmetric bet. Like the top people, the billionaires in this planet, they make asymmetric bets all the time and it pays mm. off over the long run. Woo. Let's go. I'm fired up. Uh, and and it, it's crazy, Brendan. Uh, you know, it, it makes me think uh, of like the, uh, again, I read it somewhere. Like it will, we'll, it's funny. We just take all these things from what we read, right? Like uh, those of you who are listening, that's all we do. We just take things. <laughs> um, and and it, it just reminds me of like, uh, when when there's that airplane getting ready to take off right and and you know they the the throttle can't has to be at 100 percent power right for it to like lift off and uh basically once it's in the air is the only time that you could kind of let go a little bit and i feel like the decisions that you guys are making is the same way just make you stay 100 percent committed to those decisions that you make those risks right and and i think mm -hmm. once you start flying uh, but I wouldn't let go of the pedal too much. Right. Because obviously look, look at like the stuff that you're doing right now. And with that being said, it, it leads me to a question that, um, shout out to Taja. Uh, I posted her in one of uh, our local real estate, uh, groups here. Um, and she, she wanted me to ask you this question. Um, so what are your extended goals five to 10 years? And what are you doing now on the daily to achieve those? 
Mm, great question. So I got two two goals on the on the business front. Uh, opened our capital, which is our real estate investment company. Like I said, we own almost a billion. We're going to buy ten billion dollars of real estate in the next ten years. That's the goal there. And so we break that down to the annual, you know, three year goals, uh, one year goal, quarterly goals, and weekly, just like I talked about earlier. Uh, I so we're definitely going to do that. So what do I do? Well, the this is interesting when it comes to real estate. And really, when it comes to business in general, I'll, I'll, I'll approach that a different way. When it comes to real estate, your only real bottleneck in real estate, the only real bottleneck is your ability to raise capital. Here's what I mean by that. If you need more deals, you can find them by going to a larger market, by making more offers, by sending out more direct mail letters, by knocking on more doors. It's all a dial you can turn up and down as you want. So if you want more deals, like it, most, most newbies don't realize it, but leads and deals are very much a dial or an educational dial. Like you just learn more, you learn a new skill set, or you add a new uh, piece of knowledge or lead source, you can dial it up. And if you don't think that's true, then how are, like I have buddies doing 10, 15, 20 houses a month. How are they doing that? It's not magic. And they're in the same markets you're in. It's because they know how to turn the dial. So that is a dial you can turn up and down. Like financing, that's going to be out there no matter what, right? The only real restriction you have or bottleneck is your ability to bring in the money needed to buy these properties. And even that, you could argue there's creative ways to get around it, like subject to or you know seller financing and all that. But really, it's the ability to raise capital. Therefore, if my goal is to buy $10 billion of real estate over the next 10 years, the one thing that I can do better than everyone else on my team, my specialty, my unique ability is my ability to reach people. So I go on podcasts, I I send a newsletter, I have a text message newsletter that goes out to like, I don't know, 50,000 people, something like that. I don't do that just for fun. I mean, yes, it's fun, like, but I do it because the more people who know, like, and trust me, the more people will put money into my company, Open Door Capital. Now on the other side, the other goal, on the Better Life Tribe side, we have a thousand, we launched a few months ago, we have a thousand members uh, in that group right now. Again, that's 100% of profits go to charity. Uh, within three years from now, I don't have a 10 year, well, I kind of have a 10 year goal, but the three year goal that I have for that one is to have 10,000 members. Uh, technically, the 10, the 10 year goal is to have 100,000 members in it. Uh, but 10,000 members at the at the profit we think we can bring in per person end up being about $50 million per year uh, in profit. Uh, that's crazy. And all that's going out to charities. So that's my goal in three years. In 10 years, it would be, it's yeah, it's closer to like, I don't know hundreds of millions of dollars every year, uh, which is exciting. So those are kind of my two goals on the business front. And then I've got some goals, you know, personal stuff. And I want my kids to be not dirt bags and all that, but yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. All right. And my next question that I have for you, Brendan is, uh, it, what is happiness to you? What, what is What does that mean? And, uh, joy, happiness, just all that. Like, how do you, how would you define it? And how do you make sure that you're happy? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, uh, I've got I've got friends who absolutely love to like jump on a four-wheeler and just like spin around in a circle. And like, they're just like, Woo! and they're having so much fun. And I love watching them do that. And they're very happy. Uh, I, I don't enjoy, like, I, I'm sure I would be happy if I were to suddenly jump in there, right? And go fly on my, but that's not what like drives me. It's almost like ver happy, instead of happiness, it's like growth. Like happiness is doing something hard and trying to achieve something better than what I had before. Uh, and so that's a big piece of it is just this idea of like, that's a, that's a mountain. I'm going to go climb that. And then I'm going to do a better job climbing the mountain next time. So I, I'm not like a super like, you know, party it up, have fun, laugh kind of uh, happiness. But um, I get a lot of fulfillment out of things. Mm, uh, mm. That sounds like I'm a really boring person. I think I do have a pretty good sense of humor and I laugh a lot, but <laughs> that's not, yeah. I try not to, I try not to like focus on that. I focus on things that are more impactful. Like the funnest thing I can think about doing is like watching a movie with my wife, watching Netflix or like sitting on the front porch of my house with my lanai, drinking a glass of whiskey with a good buddy who's super smart. And we chat till two in the morning about, I don't know, literature or politics or something. That sounds great. Like that's fun to me. And that's where I get a lot of joy and happiness. And uh, yeah. Love it. And with, with to kind of add on to that question, uh, what's, uh, how do you make sure that you get your work done, uh, but at the same time, enjoy life, right? Because I think some people forget once they get on that hustle mode. And it's funny because the hustle to me, it's like now I hustle to inspire, right? Is what I like to say, meaning that 
uh, I could literally just stop and like the music I released, it'll just grow on itself and an old song will yeah. just pay me forever. Uh, I wrote a book and I don't have to write another one. And at least this is on my level, like the, like the, the real estate that we have. Uh, but I feel like there's a sense of like, uh, like you, I feel like you start dying if you, if you just like literally just drop and, and so you still have to hustle, but I think there's like a whole other level. So with that being said, what's your yeah. uh, mentality behind that? Yeah, for me, the the idea of hustle versus enjoyment in life, right? I mean, first of all, I love hustling. I love making business and, and all that stuff. But if you hustle all the time, you don't have time for like more, usually more meaningful things like kids, family, wife, you know, whatever. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big believer in the concept that a lot of business books have talked about this. And that is this idea of the rocks in the jar. You know, if you have a jar and you fill it with sand, like and, and sand represents all like the little things you have to do in through a given day, you're left with nothing. Like you can't put the rocks in the big, the more important things, which would be like family, your health, uh, like things that bring you joy. Um, you know, reading maybe like those big and really important things. Oftentimes they get left out of the jar because we fill it with sand. But if you put the big rocks in first, they fill your jar. Then you can pour sand around them. And the way that that looks practically is that I schedule time. The first priority of my week, the scheduling goes to when am I doing date night with my wife? When's my like power hour, like my miracle morning, like every morning, do I have time set aside for that? When am I going to do a date with my kids? Like each, I'm going to go take them out separately. When am I going to have time for my friends to go golf with them, which I rarely do, but I did yesterday for the first time in forever. Like I try to schedule those things and then my team can like fill all around that if they want to. Right. That that's fine. But I schedule the rocks and that way I can still make sure I get the things that bring me fulfillment and joy in life and the things that matter. But the work still gets done. You know, Parkinson's law says work expands to fill the time allotted. If I have an eight hour day and I just like, OK, I'm just going to go work. I'll work all eight hours. But if I have an eight hour day where the two hour lunch with my wife in the middle of it, guess what? I'm going to get the exact same amount of work done. But I got a two hour lunch with my wife. And that's mm. that analogy of the rocks and the jar. And it's made a, it. a monumental impact on my life. I love that. Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, I just had Carlos Reyes on the podcast and he, it, it just reminded me that, uh, and now more than ever, I like scheduling everything around the important things. Right. And, and it sounds like yeah. that that's what you got going on. Uh, obviously, uh, so yeah, those of you who are listening, uh, don't don't forget that why you started this whole thing. Why are you on this journey, on this crazy journey yeah. that we're on, right? Like it's for the family and and uh, to put our time. Uh, with that being said, um, once you are on your deathbed, Brandon, uh, what is uh, the most thing that you're proud of right now? Well, I shouldn't say right now. Whoa. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> Assuming I'm on my deathbed, yeah. Let's pretend for a moment. I'm 90 years old. I'm sitting on my deathbed. What am I looking back as proud of, man? It's a couple of things. One that my kids aren't dirtbags. Right. And when I mean that, I mean that they're compassionate, they're kind, uh, they're God fearing. They, uh, have that money is not the only thing to them that they respect one another. They love one another. So like my kids and that their kids, uh, are that way as well. And maybe their kids, right? Like that generationally, I made a positive impact on my family. That's that's the number one thing I'm proud of. Uh, number two would be my Porsche. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But yeah, family. That's it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. And uh, it, it, that was funny. I don't I'm have a still Porsche. Thinking like, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Love I it. have a Tesla. I have a couple of Teslas, but no Porsches. So. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, so what's the future like? Uh, I know you talked uh, uh, about that, but you had mentioned that you might even change the name of the open door capital. Like, is that still in the works? And you, it is, you mentioned you yeah. might have a podcast coming up soon too. That I do. Both those are in the works. Yeah. You know, open door capital is a great name, but uh, one, it doesn't really mean all that much. Like what? I have an open door policy for my employees. I mean, it, it means like, I don't know. I started a you know, 20 years ago, almost or 18 years, 17 years ago with open door properties. And, uh, and it was, uh, since then there was a large, gigantic real estate billion dollar company called open door that has come into the world. And it's just, people get confused too often. So we're going to change, change the name to better life capital. I don't know what date mm. that happens anytime in the next few weeks it's supposed to happen, but because I own the better life tribe. Like I run that. So we might as well have better life capital and the better life tribe. And, um, it'll be called a better life podcast with brandon turner or a better life with brandon turner uh, that'll be launching here end of march hopefully and 
yeah, I just, I love this concept. You know, I like real estate, but I love an intentionally lived life. Right. Mm. I love when people realize that they control their future, at least a large component of it, and that they can drive their life to incredible destinations and create for themselves a better life. And it all comes down to those little things that we do, the little five minute tasks, the 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 words of affirmation spoken to our spouse. It's the hour in the gym. It's the sitting down and reading a real estate book and then putting one thing into practice, those little things lead to an incredible life. And that's why this idea of a better life is so central to everything that I do today. Mm, love it. And I know that uh, so it, I asked you about the podcast you got coming because obviously you did your bigger pockets uh, time, right? And in between there, I, I know you took like a year off and, and, uh, yeah. how was that experience like? Uh, because I, I can't remember where you mentioned, uh, it might've been on yeah. even just your social media where you kind of mentioned how you, it, obviously you can't go wrong spending time with your family, but, uh, there was this like feeling of like, you needed to do something else. Is is that, <laughs> am I yeah. accurate? You know, <laughs> I, I had a, so I quit the Bigger Pockets podcast in December of 2021. And I I got some advice from my performance coach, uh, Jason Dries. And Jason said to me, he's like, Brandon, I know you. I know that on day one, you're gonna have a million ideas. You're gonna go start, you know, go run off and go take care of all, all of them. And they'll probably be successful. But he said, my encouragement for you would be to not make a decision, to not make any big decision. Let it marinate and sit there for a while and take it, take time, maybe a year to just think and think about the future and not just react because sometimes the better stuff comes later. And it was such great advice. And I took it and I, for a whole year, I did nothing. Um, I mean, I traveled around the country, then went over to Europe for a while. I, I hung out with my family a lot. I surfed some, I did, I went to a lot of conferences and some speaking gigs, but I didn't make a solid decision on what next year looks like until that year was done. And I'm so thankful that I did because that, uh, I mean, I did, I, it was, it was super hard by the way. It was super hard. Cause I am the kind of guy that's like, I had 50 million ideas and I would just run with one, but sometimes you got to just let something sit and think about it and marinate on it. And it, it drifted from, I'm going to make this big multi-billion dollar education company. That's going to make me a, get me a private jet to, I'm going to give away a billion dollars to fight human trafficking. That, the the out the the process is going to look very similar. The Better Life Tribe is that avenue, but what happened over the year was my heart changed onto why I was doing it, and I think that actually is going to make the biggest difference and make it a whole lot easier. So sometimes it's good to just sit on things and marinate for a little while. We'll be right before back. Before we continue, go subscribe to Billy the Kid YouTube. That is Billy D H A K I D. Also, go follow Billy the Kid Music on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, and everywhere else. Music is available. And now, back to this great episode. Let's go. I'm popping out the two dough. We're number two foe. Hey. Feel like Kobe though. I'm winning. Need to do more. My mama sorry. College wasn't for me. Street smart, no degree, just like Kobe. Self-made boss with a suit like a mogul. I'm the new era. You see it on my logo. We're gonna start wrapping things up here soon. I know you got uh, big buildings to go buy and <laughs> all the big things that you're doing. <laughs> I got social media videos to make, man. Come on, I'm, uh, I'm lame like that. <laughs> Love it. Uh, what's like, if you had to come up with like five things to do to be the best husband and, and not just husband, because we, you know, ladies listening, just marriage overall, what are like the five tips you would give somebody for a good marriage? Ooh, great question. All right, so I'm far from a perfect husband, but here's a few tips that I've got for uh, being a good husband slash wife. Uh, first thing is this. Most people think of marriage as 50-50. Like, I'm going to meet you in the middle. We're going to each give halfway. But the problem with that is as soon as one person is not feeling fully up to it, they feel like they're at like 49%. What do you have? You have a gap. You have a gap in your marriage and as a whole. And then the other person can try to give more, but like it's just it gets weird. And then like you owe me. And there's a, there's a lot of that. Um some advice I got early on in my career or my my marriage, uh, both, I guess, was don't give 50%, give 100%. Always. Like, no matter what they do, you take full ownership of you and your part of the marriage as a 100%er. So when you give 100% and that's your goal all the time, whether they're feeling it, whether they're kind to you, whether they're in the mood, doesn't matter. You give 100%. When they're, if they're only at 49%, you still have a perfect marriage. You still have 100% because you're overlapping. And the, the, the magic is that when you give 
they naturally want to give 100% as well. Uh, so that that idea is not always easy, but I try to remember that every day. I mean, I probably think that every single day is, am I giving 100%? The second thing I would I would argue is like, you know, they say kids spell love, T-I-M-E, but so does your spouse. Like to mm. show, yes, you can show love and everyone has like their love language and stuff. But at the end of the day, like if you're not giving time to your spouse, you're not loving them the way that they need to be loved. And so just scheduling those date nights, scheduling that time uh, is vital. And on a related note, a third tip would be plan your future together. I don't care if your spouse is not into this whole personal development crap or the real estate thing or the business or entrepreneurship. It doesn't matter. Um, get their input and work together, whether it's an annual goal setting retreat, like I, I host one every year, whether it's just you guys go out to the beach for a while, whatever, like take time to say, what do we want from our life? There's some beauty in um, there's beauty in the idea of forming your life together that draws you together. It just cements you together in a way that you wouldn't believe until you do it. Uh, fourth tip is this. And I heard this a long time ago, and maybe it's a cheesy metaphor, but um, this idea of like a perfect marriage is one where both people are pursuing their spiritual life, which is almost like think of a triangle, right? Got, you know, one person on one side, one person on the other. And if you both are pursuing a spiritual life, and in my case, I'm a Christian guy. So I'm like, if I'm, if I'm pursuing God personally, trying to better my personal spiritual interior, and my wife is doing the same, we will move toward each other in like the same way that two sides of a triangle move towards each other as they go up. Uh, that concept of, I don't need to fix them. I'm going to work on me. And they're going to work on them uh, on these mm. more spiritual or mental or mindset things. And there's ways I can help and she can help me. But yeah, that moves towards uh, God. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other. Uh, and then lastly, <laughs> get counseling. I've not been good at this, but there have been numerous times where I've had like com like problems or arguments in my marriage where I'm like, mm, this would have been solved a long time ago had we just sat down with a counselor once a month and talked to somebody. In fact, uh, I got some advice from a really famous entrepreneur one time. I was sitting talking to him and his girl, and they said the date they the day they started dating, they went to counseling and they have not stopped. Every week they do counseling and they've never had a fight because they preempt everything. It's like imagine you run a business and you don't work on your business until it's falling apart. You don't read a business book until it's falling apart. You don't go get a consultant until it's still it's in the hole. We never do that. We always hire consultants to help us get to the next level. As a married couple, why don't we do that more often? Why don't we, or in relationship, why don't we preemptively improve our relationship by hiring people to help us, by going to the conferences and reading the books? Uh, and so treat your marriage a little bit more like you would treat a successful business. And I think you'll have a much more successful marriage. Wow. And uh, one last question before I ask you the last questions. I keep saying that. Uh, five more questions. No, I'm sorry. Uh, so it, what would you say, what are the percentages that uh, you try to live by with your money as far as like, and, and I know it's pretty, just in general, obviously you don't have to get into detail, but uh, you know, 10% yeah. is for this, 20% is for that, 50% for this. Like how, how do you determine your budgeting nowadays? That's a good question. I'm, I'll admit that I'm not great at this. I used to be much better at it. And then I started making so much more money than I was spending that I just kind of lost it. Uh, and that's actually a dangerous thing. Um, I should actually be more rigid than I am, but generally as like, I went through a phase where I was like, like this early in my career, like we were making no money, hardly at all. The real estate was tough. I, my wife was working at Starbucks and we were just going deeper and deeper in credit card debt every month. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I read Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover and we switched to a full envelope budget where everything was cash and we had an envelope for everything. It was just strict budgeting. And that all of a sudden overnight, we went from losing $1,000 a month and going negative to having an extra an extra $1,000 a month to pay off debt. That was crazy. And we didn't change anything other than just watching where our money goes. Uh, so the very act of watching it makes you better in control of your money. Uh, so that was a big piece of it. And so then for years, we just operated on that budget. But again, like just life got crazy with income over the last few years, especially with all book royalties. And so I started making all this money and I, I lost a lot of that. And it's something that I've been working on the last few days, especially my wife and I've been talking about, like, we should really get back to that. Uh, but to give you more general idea today, we try to give away at least 10% of our income towards towards charity stuff, towards like church ministry stuff, things like that. I'd like to crank that up, especially with the Better Life Tribe coming. I mean, if you technically consider that all my money and then I'm donating it all, I'm going to be like 90% given away pretty soon, which is cool. Um, but I'm just going to give away millions and millions of dollars every year. Wow. Uh, which is awesome. That, that, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, just, like, yeah. that, that's yeah, like it's, massive. It's, <laughs> it's cool. Man. And it's yeah, just it's crazy and the it, way you just said it. Like, because uh, yeah. I understand what you were doing. I understood what you were doing. But now you're literally like, 
no, it's like 90%. Yeah. Obviously, you got to maintain the house, but wow. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to have money to live. And honestly, mm -hmm. I got to figure that out at some point. Like, I'm, I mean, I make money right now and I make really good money, but uh, uh, like I give away a lot. Like the tribe, I don't make a lot of money on and the real estate side, I wait until the end. So I mean, I make money on book royalties. I get money from cash flow from deals. Uh, maybe at some point I'll start a tech company or something like that that makes money. Like I'm not worried about it. Like I said, I got a pretty abundant mindset and I make enough right now to survive. But yeah, I do that. My housing, I, mean, I got two houses that are both multi-million dollar houses. That's a lot of expense. Um, but like I house hack one of them. The other one, we're going to start uh, Airbnb or not Airbnb, but we're going to start renting out to uh, uh, people for like month on month stuff. It's a kind of a vacation house. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have a, I have one truck payment. I bought a truck. I could pay it off, but I just haven't yet. And but I own like four other cars that are all paid off. I try to have as little debt as possible. I don't carry debt anymore, other than mortgages, uh, and that one truck that I should just pay it off. I've just been lazy, but that's <laughs> how I do it. it. And you mentioned at the beginning abundance, and you just said it again. And actually, it's funny. My word of the year this year is abundance. So, nice, yeah. how can uh, what what's your what's your take on abundance? Yeah, you know, I it's like a water. I think of money as a waterfall. There's trillions of dollars transacting every day in, in the world. Trillions of dollars all over the place. People are getting wealthy. People are losing it. People are buying stuff, and new inventions are made, and new technologies. Money is a giant waterfall. And once you realize that it's not a little trickle coming down the mountain that you can't find, it's a waterfall. You stick your cup in, and get some water and pull it back up again whenever you need to. Uh, and an abundant mentality is one that recognizes it. It's an it's your eyes are open and you see there is so much money out there. Now, do I believe that some people have it easier than others? A hundred percent. Is there a privilege? A hundred percent. Do I have an easier time? Yes. Uh, that said, it doesn't give anybody excuse not to try to embedder their life and to be able to open their eyes and see the opportunities that exist out there because they do exist out there. Mm. Um, there's so many problems. I mean, let's just do an entrepreneurial thing. There's so many problems left in the world that need to be solved. Even silly things, right? I mean, I'll give you like stupid example, right? Like the fact that like this mug is sitting here right now and it's from two days ago, coffee. There's some junk inside there. That's just an irritation. Could somebody invent something? I don't know what that would have cleaned this mug so that the bugs aren't getting in it while I'm in my office. And I don't know. <laughs> it's a silly idea, right? But notice I just love took it. a problem that I saw in front of me. And now you can invent a solution to that problem. And all of a sudden, boom, you have millions of dollars. As, as uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Mark Cuban once said, the great thing about business is you only have to get it right once. Mm. Like you can try something and it doesn't work. You try it again, it doesn't work. You try it again, it doesn't work. You try it again, it makes you a million dollars. You're set for life. Boom. Wow. You only got to be right once. And love you get it. better every time you try. So Whew. that's an abundance mentality. I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh and so I'm going to ask you three questions just uh, to wrap everything up, Brendan. Uh, what's the okay. best piece of, or what, looking back at your younger self, what would be the best piece of advice you would give yourself now? Uh, journal every morning. And not necessarily like, you know, like today I went to the bank, but like plan your day, uh, write down your goals, write down your habits, track them, track those little things. It matters. If you do that over long haul, you get the results of what you repeatedly do. Mm. Wow. I love that. <laughs> and that was fast too. Uh, and so the million dollar hustle, uh, as I explained it, is like, what does it take to get to that level mentally? So what are three habits or three ways uh, that, it, and if you were to tell somebody, hey, if you do these three things, you're not going to fail. You're going to be super successful. You're going to get to your million dollar hustle. What are the three things? Yeah. Surround yourself with people who make it look easy. Uh, so join groups, pay for it if you have to, but get in or get around people who are already have that millionaire mentality. Um, number two, find out what those people do, like drill into like, what are the day-to-day -day things that they do? What are the actions that they're actually doing? Cause like you can have the right mindset, but yeah, mindset has to be coupled with action. So what are those people doing? How do they run their life? That's why podcasts are amazing. You can listen to how people run their life. And then third, do those things. That's it. Like, mm. it's like the simplest thing in the world. Find somebody who's doing it. <laughs> like who's good. Find somebody who has the, the life you want, find out what they're doing and what they did. And then just do that. Those three things, mm. you'll have anything you want. Wow. Woo. And then all the books you've written, is there one that you could give us that you're writing right now that's going to come soon? Oh, yeah. I've written like, I don't know, five or six at this point. Um, Like half of one I wrote with my wife. So I don't know, it's five or six and a journal is in there and Five and a uh, half. <laughs> I am slowly working. I don't like to say I'm working on a book right now because I'm really not. You know, this actually, this is a lesson right here. Uh, I The reason I say I'm not working on a book, I do have a book that I have an idea for and I'm like two chapters into it. 
but I wrote those two chapters six months ago. And I think about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. I plan it. I'm not writing every day. And if I was truly, so this is a lesson, right? I'm not writing every day. Therefore, I'm not writing a book. If you're not mm -hmm. analyzing deals every day and making offers and talking with real estate agents and going to meetups every single day or every single week, and you have a, a the process for that, if you're not doing that, you're not a real estate investor. Wow. You're a wannabe. You're a wisher, right? Mm -hmm. So you need, like, are you putting in the work daily needing to do it? So am I writing a book? No. Do I want to write a book? Yes. So I'm not going to trick myself into believing I'm writing a book right now. I'm wow. going to say I have plans to write a book and I'm slowly playing with the idea. And until I'm committed to it, until I've burned my ships and I've I've jumped in and I've got a writing number, how many words am I going to write every day and what time every day am I going to write? And I show up every day and I write, that's when I become a writer again. And mm. uh, I would urge everyone who's listening to this to ask themselves about your ambitions. Are they ambitions or are they goals? Are they wants or are they, I'm going to do this? And your actions wow. will tell you the truth. Mm. Wow. Whew. I'm ready to go do something right now, Brandon. Run through this drywall <laughs> or something. <laughs> Love it. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, Beardy Brandon on Instagram, social media, TikTok, all that stuff. Beard with a Y at the end, Brandon, Beardy Brandon, because if you're not watching this, you can hear my voice, but uh, you don't know I have a uh, homeless looking beard. And uh, beardybrandon.com is my text message newsletter. If you want to join that, just it's a newsletter called Behind the Beard. It's just books that I'm reading, uh, real estate questions I can answer and just other pieces of advice and life stuff. Love it. And uh, we had a few questions submitted, but I couldn't ask all of them. But one that uh, I want to ask you is uh, with uh, with bigger pockets, like uh, the people want to know what's going on. What's what's the update? How's uh, David Green? <laughs> yeah, it's they're they're cranking. I mean, I I barely am involved anymore. I mean, I talk to Scott occasionally. To, you know, I talk to talk to Josh. I talk to David Green a lot. In fact, we're hanging out in two days. Uh, we're gonna go, you know, chill in LA for a little bit. Uh, but uh, they're just killing it. Um, Bigger Pockets understands this concept that that I'm getting better and better at, and Josh understood better than anybody else I've ever known. And that is, when you have the eyeballs, you have everything. You can do whatever you want. Mr. Beast is a good example of this, right? Or Kylie Jenner. When you have eyeballs, when you have reach, even a mediocre idea with mediocre uh, execution can do phenomenally well. Uh, wow. And so if there's one piece of advice also I'd give my younger self, another piece of advice would be get your reach up, get good at communication, get good at building your email list. Like be able to like, if the more people who know, like, and trust you, the better business you can have. That's why Mr. Beast launched a burger chain to be one of the biggest burger chains in America. And it took him like six months. It's not because he's good. At, I, mean, I doubt they taste good. I don't know. I haven't had one. I, it's not because he's a great businessman. It's not because he's a great, got a great burger, or a great recipe. It's because he's got a billion people who know who he is. And you can do wow. anything when you have that. Love it, Brandon. Well, uh, we have come to the end. Thank you for your time. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And everything that you do, Thank keep you. doing it. I'm I'm right. Whatever you need, I'm here. <laughs> um, Thanks, but... man. I appreciate you. You're a phenomenal host. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And those of you who are listening, make sure you guys screenshot where you're listening and tag Brandon, tag me, and we're going to reshare it. So that way we could all get followers. So with that being said, Woo! I'll see you guys on the next one. Vamanos. Different levels of thinking and we both, right? But, but, but my mindset is on growth with the future, right? Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts. Or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks? Open your mind, gotta open it to receive. I'm always ten toes for what I believe. Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts. Or, or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks? Open your mind, gotta open it to receive. I'm, I'm always ten toes for what I believe. I've I, I heard it all, this and that, and I got an ego. Y'all pigeons, I don't flock together like a